Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you so much for making a commitment to learning and hope everybody is doing well. I am your host, Jordan Porter, joined by the classy, caring, and creative Yvonne Brandenburg. Ooh, (laughs) I like those letters. (laughs) I feel like we need a glass of champagne. I know. Ooh, I have water next to me. Wow. Yeah, that thing that what three weeks in a row I still don't have next to me. I have oh another... my god! <laughs> Do you have more coffee? I had another giant cup of coffee this morning. Oh I almost my. had two, but I held back. You held back because you didn't want to sound like a chipmunk, is what you're saying? Yeah, because I knew we were recording this morning. Nice. I like had the pot in my hand, and Matt was like, "You're gonna have a second cup," and I was like, "Yeah," and then I was like, mm, "No." <laughs> nice (laughs) no I guess I shouldn't (laughs) (sighs) damn self-control do I have that I mean I guess in certain places I do other places not so much Hmm. no I mean like my diets consist of soft pretzels and those mug (laughs) treats where you can like cook brownies in a mug oh Oh, I was like mug treats yeah (laughs) what is that got it okay yeah like brownies and cakes and things in a mug Mm-hmm. I told Matt, I was like, dude, we got to start eating healthier. <laughs> He's right. like, yeah, I know. And then like for lunch today, we had like the biggest plate of pizza rolls. <laughs> nice. So self-control is not, Jordan does not get an S for self-control. <laughs> like, <laughs> self-control should never be used to describe me. No, oh, I don't believe that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I guess it depends on if it's something I really like. Like people will be amazed because like I've never had a hangover because I have self-control when it comes to drinking. <laughs> like I don't drink very often. Like I'm not a big like alcohol person. Yeah. I don't like either. the way it makes me feel. And being a control freak, I don't like to be out of control. <laughs> oh, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I get very neurotic and like <laughs> I don't mind it. I just don't like dude, like the older I like gotten, beer. the worse I feel after. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's really sad. The older that you get, the more of a hangover you get for less alcohol, which is really See, yeah, sad. Yeah, no. Knock on wood. I've yet to have a hangover. But like, I love, like, I love beer. I have certain beers that like, when I go to certain places, like when I go to Florida, like I have a specific beer that I drink. Like, oh, okay. I like beer, but like, I'm a cheap date. It only like, I have two and then I'm like, and we're done. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. There's something wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> So funny. (laughs) And I don't do like liquor anymore. Like I just, I had like my, my party phase, (laughs) like quote, unquote party phase. That was very, very brief. (laughs) And I was like like 24. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Considering I've never had a hangover. I must not have done my party phase. Right. Right, Exactly. (laughs) I'd love to say that I've never had one. Definitely have. Yeah. No, I mean, it's one of those things I'm proud of. It's like, I don't know. 
So that is not your vice, which is great. It's a bad vice to have. It is. It definitely can be. I don't know. Like it is their way to just turn off the world, which I am definitely not mentally healthy. So like (laughs) to have a way to like turn off my brain would be great. And so I definitely get the need to like have that beer after work, but I just, just can't like, I don't yeah suffer in my own mind I guess (laughs) nice (laughs) anyway how was your week my week was okay um I'm definitely definitely struggling with my own personal cat right now which is not fun um which is ironic because we're gonna be talking about constipation this week um just (sighs) We switched her chemotherapy and I just don't think she's tolerating it very well. And so, you know, it's that whole quality of life thing that I'm dealing with this week and just trying to. Definitely a lot easier to talk to others about the quality of life than trying to convince yourself. Well, and it's, and it's like, you know, a lot, you know what I mean? Like, so part of me is like, do do, I'm like overanalyzing it. And I'm like, am I overanalyzing it or am I not being rational? Like, it's this whole, like, yeah. I don't know how to, like, be okay with this. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, you don't know how you would react if you were, like, a person, like, a pet owner who didn't know all the things. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, if you didn't know that there was a chance she could bounce back. Yeah, well, and that's the hard thing is, like, I just want a crystal ball to be like, okay, is she going to bounce back? Because if she's going to bounce back then I'm okay with keeping going. But if I'm being like the crazy owner that's just keeping going for the sake of keeping going, I don't want to do that. And it's like hard knowing where that fine line is. Oh, for know? sure. Yeah, so, I've been there. It's awful. Like it's... Yeah, so I'm just like... Because ah. you have the tools where you think you can actually like fix it <sighs> and you have the ability to, like I think that makes it a lot harder for us to stop. Yeah. Because we have the tools and the knowledge. Well, yeah, because I'm like, is is it the treatment that's making her feel bad or is it the disease that's making her feel bad? And like, the only way to know is like to give her time. But I'm like, am I being a jerk by putting her through By giving this? her time. Yeah. You know, and so I'm just like, ugh, dang it. I just, I, I'm sorry. I, oh, it's like, hey, it's just one of those, you know, when we know too much. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I was there when Rattler was like 19 and dying. And like, the thing was, is like, I knew he was dying too, but I was like, I also know I have the tools. Let's try this and try this and try this. Yeah. And then finally I was like, just end his suffering. Like just he's suffering. Yeah. He's 19. I think the thing that gets me though, too, with some of our pets, like, and I think about this too with Dolce, because we were just talking how she's 17 ish. And it's like, my dogs, like when, before they die, like they're fine. Like there's zero problems. I just did Dolce's blood work and she's perfectly fine. Like no abnormalities whatsoever on her blood work. So if she were to like, if something were to happen tomorrow and she has like a grand mal seizure and like tries to die, I'd be like, well, we got to fix her. Like yesterday she was fine versus like if she were slowly dying from kidney disease, I'd be like, okay, well, like this is the end. Like it is what it is, but it's like healthy before I'm like, Oh, I know. Well, and that's the thing that's killing me is like her blood work looks good. 
Yeah. You should probably check them. Yeah. Her kidney values went up for a little bit, but I think that's because she was dehydrated. She got rehydrated and her kidney values have been great. Um, like her liver is good. She's a little bit anemic. So of course we got Darby, which is not a cheap drug to get. So I'm like, so we have Darby, you know, and it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's hard because yeah, I don't know. And she's not that old. Like, that's the crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, to be a pet owner, what a pain in the butt. It's so much easier to just be a vet professional. (laughs) Yeah. And be like, oh, yeah, it's not my animal. I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yay. Working in veterinary medicine. So I think, um, switching gears i don't think we have any um reviews or shout outs this week so we don't have to worry about that this week um we are going to be talking about constipation the moisture the mechanical and the mystery of it because sometimes we don't know um and there's all sorts of things to rule out like every internal medicine disease um, and then this episode, as of the recording, which is end of February, it'll go live early March, is not yet race approved. So we're, we're working on getting it a race approved. So for right now, technically it is not. Um, we'll let you know as soon as it is, but you can definitely use it for self-study, um, just like all the episodes. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else we need to talk about before we uh, dive right into uh uh, a poop episode <laughs> no but i gotta say that the title sounds better when you say it out loud <laughs> constipation moisture mechanical and mystery yeah versus poop yeah i know i know i come up with good titles for the poop episodes because the scoop on number two is mine well, that's true that is yeah. very true yeah apparently poop is my forte I mean, you are an internal medicine, and that is a lot of what we deal with. So <laughs> that it is. I know. All like right, one so of anyway. my surgery texts is like, I can't work in your department. It's too much poop. And I'm like, okay, fair point. Well, well in this situation, it's not enough poop. <laughs> or there's too much in there. There's not enough outside um, poop. There you go. True. All right. So we're going to be talking about a lot of different things today, though, because it's not just constipation and we'll kind of get into it a little bit, but we're going to be talking constipation, obstipation, tenismus. Um, so the definition for all three of those, even though we're really going to be saying constipation a lot, um, because I feel like that's what everybody knows. Yeah. Constipation is dry and hard stool with difficulty and straining to defecate. So dry and hard is going to be the key there. Sometimes you'll have like painful straining and ineffective passing of stool, but it's not necessarily dry and hard. That would be tenismus. It's more of like a normal formed stool, but it's just painful and ineffective passing. So when we say like ineffective passing, it means like it's taking your pet too long to pass stool. It's just not normal. Which is um, funny because they can be crying out. Yeah, which is funny because before we recorded this episode, we were kind of talking about that. And I was like, oh, geez, I even say constipation for my cat. And Mm -hmm. I keep telling my doctors, I'm like, no, it's not dry and hard. Like it's a normal consistency, but she's straining and she's not passing stool. So I was like, oh, well, (laughs) my cat actually has tenesmus and not constipation. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, I think even for us, like we forget that 
there's a difference. There is a difference. Yeah, exactly. So, so I have to be better and be like, it's tenesmus. It's not constipation. Yeah. I mean, we even talk about it. So obstipation is like intractable constipation. So that usually leads to like progressive enlargement and hardening of the stool. So basically that's like severe constipation. So when we're when we have these cats that we're manually extracting stool to relieve them, um, we're, we're actually deobstipating them. We're not. Which is funny because I think every time that I've deobstipated, it's usually a cat. I don't know if I've ever had to do it with a dog. Nope. Nope. I mean, dogs have definitely had lots of stool, but I've never had a deobstipate a cat or a dog. Yeah. But every time I've done it, like the stool it's not that dry, brittle, hard stuff. I think every time I've done it, it's always like at the end, it's dry and hard. Yeah. But the stuff that's backed up behind it is like normal consistency. It's just a lot. It's it's just a lot. But if you think about obstipation, it's progressive enlargement. Yeah. It's hardening as well, but it's hardening over time, but it's going to get large first before it hardens. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. So Anyway, moving into my favorite part, which is anatomy and physiology. So <laughs> constipation, obstipation, tenismus obviously affects the large intestine. So our large bowel, large intestine starts at the ileocolic junction, ends at the anus. So we include the cecum, ascending, transverse, and descending colon, as well as the rectum. Um, and a lot like we talked about in episode 69, the main purpose of the large intestines is to remove fluid as well as electrolytes. Um, it also does fermentation as well as storage of stool. So not only stool doesn't just sit there to sit there, it's stored there as well until a pet obviously needs to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and when we're talking like- or knows when to go. When we're talking obstipation, like, I don't know about you, but I feel like an obsticated- cat poop has that smell like yeah. you just know it and i and, and it I looks think like that clay is that- it's like it's, it's not like a normal stool color either it's like yeah it's it definitely it's, has that clay. <laughs> it's over like extracted of fluid and electrolytes like it's just gray and like well and i think that's part of that fermentation too like it's just, for sure it's like it's like nasty poo Also, like we talked about in episode 69, the bowels are controlled in part by the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, Brittany, eat your heart out because I do know some nervous systems. (laughs) As in, I read it for these episodes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the large intestines is controlled by the vagus and the pelvic nerves, which honestly, I didn't really know. I mean, that makes sense. Because the vagus nerve is the whole, like, I think of the vagus nerve when we stimulate it during endoscopy and it, you know, changes sphincters and yeah, it helps with the rest and digest thing. So like, yeah, that makes sense. And then it makes sense. I mean, the vagus nerve nerve is like the main, well, yeah, the pelvic nerves, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe the coffee is kicking in. (laughs) (laughs) Making weird noises again. That's fine. (laughs) Um, So that is all like normal anatomy and physiology of the large intestines. Again, I'm not going into too much detail because we talked about it a lot in episode 69, where we talk about the different layers, because that does matter as well. Um, But now, so constipation can be caused by, dude, so many things. Like, yeah, 
So many things. So it can be caused by diet, diet change, lack of moisture, stress, medications, especially because pain medications specifically tend to slow down the GI tract, removing more moisture, leading to drier and harder stools. Um, and then of course you have like obstruction from things like masses, strictures, polyps, foreign bodies, um, prostates, other things that are in the abdomen that shouldn't be there that happen to be constricting. Right. <laughs> so, which I we're going to talk about all of those things as well. Too, right. Ooh. Yeah, I imagine so. Especially like, I, I feel like, um, puppies and kitties are definitely more affected by, um, parasite obstructions and constipation for that. sure although most oh of the time it's diarrhea they just like have that giant ball of worms that just comes Ooh, out yeah yep because <laughs> i know how much you love when we talk about parasites i know it's because they freak me out because they can do whatever they want and i'm like they're gonna take over the world someday yeah 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 like, so oh, you're like yeah so those reasons kind of fall under my moisture and mystery um <laughs> for constipation but of course we can also have some mechanical malfunctions which usually lead to megacolon and so megacolon is described as hypertrophy which is like a loss of muscle and dilation of the colon so it's often associated with things like chronic constipation and obstipation and usually what happens is there's a like a loss of mu muscle function within the large intestines or within the colon that caused by the hypertrophy which makes it so peristaltic waves are unable to adequately push stool forward and out. And then in turn, the colon loses more muscle and just dilates. It, it becomes basically flaccid. It's like mm. mega esophagus, but mega colon. <laughs> like it just, it can't do what it needs to do and constrict down and, and really move that stool forward and out. So it stops at the rectum because the rectum is a sphincter, doesn't just plop out because that still has muscle control and no hypertrophy but the rest of the colon is just losing and just expanding um like a water balloon mm. i know it's such a bummer um most cases of megacolon though are typically idiopathic meaning obviously we don't know why it is occurring so again falls under mystery there mechanical mystery right there mm -hmm. um <laughs> however sometimes there can be like an orthopedic reason for constipation or a neurologic reason. And I thought it was really cool because I found um, several different specific causes that fall under those two categories. So there's like pelvic ca canal stenosis. Of course, there's going to be nerve injuries. So like some of our hit by cars can have some nerve injury there. Um, apparently Manx cats have like a sacral spinal cord deformity oh, that yep. can be congenital um there can be altered colonic neurotransmitters i don't know specifically what would cause those but there definitely can be and then of course even behavior can sometimes play a factor so say you have an outdoor cat that's being brought inside doesn't like the litter type doesn't like the litter box doesn't like the change to environment um and just refuses to pass stool in a litter box and just keeps holding it and that can happen with a dog too for some reason there's some behavioral thing that makes them not want to actually pass stool and then they can actually constipate that way too i've also seen it where um like they're painful like they have really bad arthritis or something along those lines right and then it's painful to posture to go poop or it's painful to defecate itself and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden they're, they're like avoiding the litter box and they're holding it so you know it, it could be that they're painful as well so that's something that 
you could try pain medications and see if it, that helps. Cause sometimes it does definitely had some cases where we try pain medication and all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I can poop now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We definitely have a lot of that, especially if you're falling under that orthopedic cause, which I'm going to kind of talk about a little bit more in detail when we get down to our differential diagnoses, just mm. because although I didn't make a ton of notes on them, I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, now, depending on the underlying cause for the constipation, constipation, obstipation, tenismus can affect any breed or species. Now, megacolon is predominantly a feline disease. It can affect dogs, but it tends to be pretty rare versus things like colon polyps are more frequently reported in dogs and cats. Um, mm. Obstruction is rare though with polyps, but it definitely can still reduce the amount of stool being removed, causing straining and constipation that way. So typical symptoms that we usually see patients come in for with this can be lethargy. They just kind of feel crummy. Sometimes you can hear borborygmus. So just mm. those GI sounds. Plus I love that word. So I really just wanted to throw it in today. Um, <laughs> So you can hear those GI sounds because the guts are trying to move, but they're getting unhappy. You can have decreased appetite or full-blown anorexia. Obviously, there can definitely be some crying when defecating or, um, you know, like those dogs who like to just all of a sudden whip around and look at their butt when something happens. Mm -hmm. Or <laughs> Finn does that frequently when he farts and it's great. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. He was panting so much yesterday. So then of course, like all evening, he was just like farting like crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're a disgusting dog. <laughs> the other thing to kind of go with the crying when defecating um, is with cats, you'll see them all of a sudden like avoiding the litter box mm. and they'll like start pooping in different places that they normally weren't um, because they're starting to associate the litter box with being painful. So that's something too, just to kind of keep on your radar when you start hearing clients say, Oh, I don't know why they're not going in the litter box anymore. Cause again, <laughs> cats not using the litter box that normally use the litter box, something is going on. And so for sure, you know, this could be, you know, if you've ruled out like, you know, a change in litter, a change in where the litter box is, you know, other things that could affect it, start looking for painful in the litter box or, you know, a urinary tract infection or straining, you know, any of those things can, can definitely do it. So just keep kind of keep that in the back of your mind too. If, especially if they're defecating outside of the litter box, I feel like that's d different. Like they don't do that super frequently unless they're painful mm -hmm. or, you know, they have diarrhea or straining or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. Straining can definitely be a sign as well. So this is straining without producing any stool or they can produce like small amounts of stool, but clearly it's not normal. And sometimes this is a good indicator too. This is where you really want, at least you hope that clients can look at it, see if it's dry and hard, if it's a large piece, if it's like a small rabbit size, that's usually what people describe to me. They're like, it's yeah. like a little rabbit turd. <laughs> it's a little um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, or two, they can tell you that there's diarrhea because then that's tenismus and not constipation. Mm -hmm. um, vomiting after straining. I think people always forget to ask about vomiting, but if you push hard enough, you're going to upset. Well, that, and like, if it's backed up far enough too, you're going to upset the rest of your guts too. Yeah. Um, yeah. My cat was definitely, she, she's done that a couple of times where she's just straining so hard and pushing so hard. And then she'll come out of the litter box and just start vomiting. 
And it took me a while to realize that the vomiting was associated with the straining and not just vomiting for vomiting sake, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, it's a good idea to, yeah. if you've got a cat that you, you know, sometimes has like stool issues to ask the owners, yes, the vomiting, like, when does that happen? Do you just see it after they've been straining or is it, you know, kind of quote unquote normal vomiting? Not that there's what normal vomiting thing, but I mean, you know, like vomiting, not just, I've strained a ton and now I'm vomiting. So. <laughs> um, abdominal pain can be noted too by clients, especially like we picked mm. up my cat and put him on the bed and they cried out or we picked up my dog and put him on the bed and they cried out. Um, weight loss too, hematochesia, which is blood in the stool can definitely occur. And then of course, dehydration. I love clients that you say hematochesia. Cause I say yeah. hematochesia. Hematochesia. I don't know. In school I was told hematochesia. I, I love don't like the, the potato sounds, potato though. thing that we do. It's amazing. Sometimes I'm like, like Eastern versus Western. Yeah. Maybe. maybe I like hematochesia better, but like, I just can't convince my brain to say it. Right. <laughs> hematochesia. I, I, I worked with, there we go. I worked with someone who said metronidazole. Oh, uh-uh. yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like how I went from like general practice and then into internal medicine. I used to say atopica. We had this oh, conversation before. Yeah. Where I used to say atopica, and now in IM, I say atopica. <laughs> yeah. I worked with a doctor from England and he said capillary. And it took me forever to figure out what he was saying was capillary. <laughs> I'm like, capillary? What? So <laughs> I'm like, it's the same word, but it's not the same word. <laughs> I wish yeah. I could say hematochesia. Hematochesia. Yeah, I yeah, mean, that sounds better. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I think there's just, again, it's that whole getting a good history on these patients to find out really what's going on. Um, to because because different like constipation, so hard, dry stool, is very much different than tenesmus normal texture of stool. Um, and so, you know, there's going to be different drugs that you're going to be using for that. So, you know, it's, it's a good idea to make sure that we fully understand, like we can, I think we talked about it probably in the scoop on number two episode, um, Mm -hmm. where having your fecal, um, the fecal scale. Did we? Yeah. 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 Yeah, we where do. it talks about yeah. like the the texture as well the as the color, yeah. so that you know you have a better understanding of what potentially could be wrong, and and not only that, but you know, clients talking about stools isn't necessarily something that they normally do. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't talk to my friends about poop very often, <laughs> unless I'm at work. Um, and so just yeah. having all that information or on a podcast about stool, it's fine. Um, but you know, it's not a frequent conversation. So being able to like, kind of make it more objective than subjective can, can definitely help, you know, give your doctor all the pieces of the puzzle they really need to. Yeah, to definitely. And I think we need things. to do too, to remember that, like, just because the, say the complaint is on the appointment constipation, we, we need to ask other things. Okay, well, are we limping too? Do we have trouble getting up the stairs? Because we can have the 
those like hip arthritis or back arthritis issues? Um, are we painful when we jump up onto things? Are we licking a lot at our hind end? Like something's bothering us. Have we had a history of anal gland issues or GI issues that, in the past? But I don't know about you, but I constantly have clients um, of patients that have gone home from either hospitalization or surgery where they're like, my cat's constant or my dog is constipated. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, what's happening? Well, they haven't had a bowel movement in three days. And oh, I'm like, yes, this is a common right? conversation. All and then the time. My first question like, is, okay, are they trying? Are they to trying? The exactly. And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, then they're not trying. So they're not constipated. <laughs> you know, it's like, unless they're yeah. actively trying to go to the bathroom, they're probably not constipated. So I usually tell the clients like, you know, this whole, like, especially if it's a pet that hadn't been eating. Right. And mm-hmm. so like, okay, your dog really wasn't eating for a week because it felt like crap. So it can take a couple of days for stool to build up in the, you know, colon for them yeah, to want the to have to a get back to poop. Normal. Right. And so well, I, that, and I say think three too. to five days, if they're straining to go to the bathroom, let us know. Otherwise just give them time. Yeah. And I think too, it's important, like even post-op, like a normal Mm post-op spay or neuter or, or any sort of post-op we've already kind of mentioned it, that pain medications can really affect the, the GI movement. Um, so we need to inform owners that keep an eye out for straining. If your pet is trying to pass stool and nothing is coming out, yes, we want to know about it. However, because some of these medications have the tendency to slow down the gut, you might not see a stool for 24 hours and that's okay. As long as we are not trying. And I think part of that comes from, um, human hospitals, right? Like Mm -hmm. they, they don't release you until you've had a normal bowel movement. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't happen in veterinary medicine. (laughs) Like we send them home because most of the times if they're going to poop, they're going to poop at home and not here. Um, so I think that idea really comes from human medicine where an animal must have a bowel movement. Otherwise it could die and not, it shouldn't have gone home from the hospital. So I think it's really important for us to kind of communicate with owners. Yeah. It may take them three to five days to have a bowel movement. So as long as they're not straining, they're still eating, they're not vomiting. Cool. Wait for the poop. Just wait for it. It'll happen. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right. Soapbox moment a little bit for us. <laughs> that was a little soapbox. It was cool. All right. So my differential diagnosis list, I don't know why I'm so excited. I do know why I'm so excited. This is a good it. list. There's, but it sucks because there's a lot of stuff on it. <laughs> it's like one of those things where you don't want such a long differential list. Okay. First things first, a stricture. So if a pet comes in straining to poop, this is where we really need to figure out consistency of mm. stool. However, strictures can definitely cause that dry, hard stool because it's like basically another rectum within the colon. Mm. And so nothing can, or at least the normal amount of stool can't pass through, depending on how severe the stricture is, um, the normal amount of stool can't get through as effectively as normal. And so things tend to back up and it can dry out if it sits in there too long or if the stricture is super severe. Um, So that can definitely cause constipation. Dehydration, of course. So you have that dog who's running on the beach for six hours and doesn't drink any water. And then like later the next day is straining. (laughs) Yeah. Is straining the next day to pass stool and it is dry and hard. That might just be a one and done kind of thing. 
Um, but dehydration can cause obviously constipation or obstipation. Polyps, like I've already kind of said, so I won't go into too much detail about that because they don't typically obstruct, but can decrease the flow of stool. So the next thing on my list is masses, neoplasia. So things like GI lymphoma can cause this, um, sarcomas can cause this, any sort of mass within the GI tract can definitely cause constipation. I also threw in lymphadenopathy mm. in here. And what lymphadenopathy is, is just enlarged lymph nodes. And typically that we see that mostly in the abdominal cavity. Sometimes you can see those peripheral lymph nodes enlarged too. And that just indicates that the lymph nodes are working hard. Sometimes it can indicate cancer. Um, but if those lymph nodes are really large, we have to remember that we do have lymph nodes like within the pelvic canal and that can kind of put pressure down on that colon and decrease stool flow that way yeah. as well. I was gonna say that's, I was gonna say that the, the, the classic like hairball obstruction, surgical hairball yeah. obstruction. And you're like, Ooh, GI lymphoma. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> you're like, hairballs should usually get through. If, if a hairball is causing the obstruction, you get very worried about it. Yeah. Like what is pushing down on your intestines that's causing it to stop? Yeah. Up? <laughs> like, um, mega colon is definitely going to be on our differential list. I also threw thyroid disease mm, on here yeah. too. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, but a lot of our feline patients, if they're having reoccurrent constipation issues, they can have hyperthyroidism, not to mention you throw in vomiting and like yelling when we're in the bathroom, like it's, yeah. <laughs> um, orthopedic issues. So arthritis, lumbosacral disease, um, hip disease, any sort of like joint disease that makes it difficult for a pet to posture and pass stool effectively mm -hmm. can definitely hinder our ability to not get constipated injury too so we have those hit by cars where their pelvis just realigned i was like weird. orthopedic um, slash injury you know fracture fracture yeah. pelvis that's fine <laughs> there's definitely some neurologic conditions i saw a patient once he had like a spinal tumor mm. and like the only way we found it was that the dog was having trouble getting up the stairs and having like constant like straining to poop mm. but it was like a spinal tumor interesting yeah i mean yeah I mean, that's the mechanical part of it, right? Like if, if it's not, if you've got, if you've got nerve damage, you, it's not going to move the way it's supposed to. And, and so that's, I mean, I picture it being like jolty, like, yeah. like when a robot glitches, Aww, like, yeah, like so sad, <laughs> like the colon might like hypermodal and then it's like, stop, <laughs> like stick. Uh, anal gland tumors. I think this one is really important because they can actually get pretty large and those damn anal gland adenomas, <laughs> adenosarcomas. Well, not only that, just... but also anal gland like abscess. Um, yeah, because, it hurts yeah, to poop. You'll see straining sometimes because they're like, trying to get past it and it, it's all sorts of. I like that. Uh. <laughs> Again, another reason I'm glad I don't have anal glands just one of, one of the many, many. <laughs> exactly yeah uh prostatitis because that goes back along with our masses and neoplasia anything that's putting pressure on that colon allowing things to not move through as effectively as normal can hinder our ability to not get dried out poop um and then of course foreign bodies so this is any type of material mm. like towels um socks Rocks, sand impactions. <laughs> I saw, I've seen a bunch of like bone or bone foreign bodies. Yeah. We had one. Oyster shells is what we get like around here. Ugh, Dogs eating oyster shells. That sounds horrible. 
Yeah, we get some we get shark. rocks because dogs are stupid and they eat the rocks that have the barbecue <laughs> sauce on it. It's like okay, but it's a rock because um, it's out. Like just lick it. <laughs> yeah, <You're> like, <laughs> just it's under the barbecue. It must be meat, and you're like, nope, it's a barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce covered rock. Good job. Um, but we saw this dog one time, and I can't even remember. I want to say it was a rib bone, and the owners didn't have a lot of money, and so th- we were just like kind of hoping a prayer kind of thing, uh, letting it pass through. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, the bone got stuck like right at the pelvic canal because again, it's pelvis. Right. Um, and so we ended up doing Coke enemas on this dog for like two days. And that was oh interesting to break down the yeah, bone and it broke down That's the bone cool. and it was able to pass it. But I'm like, again, another reason not to drink soda. <laughs> it's just like, yeah yeah but yeah foreign material (sighs) yeah i like it when dogs have sand impactions and then they we can build like a little sand castle out of their sandy poop it's fun see i don't i don't do that it's just just a joke (laughs) no i mean (laughs) i'm over there with my gloves making a sand castle (laughs) sand poop the poop sand castle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, I don't live specifically near like the beach, but I can imagine if you really are close to the beach that you get a lot of sand impactions. And dogs are just idiots. I love them so They're like, this much. They're like fish. They're just... I mean, we took Zara and Finn to the sandbar yesterday. <laughs> and it's like, aside from Finn's <sighs> inability to swim <laughs> and yeah. his oh he's such a dumb dog but I love him so much like he's so cute but then you have Zara who's like my black lab she loves to swim and she's like I'm just gonna drink the salt water and of course I'm like no don't drink the salt water (laughs) I'm yelling at her and I'm like giving her fresh water and I'm like why why do you guys have to be so dumb and Zara will just like she likes to pick up shells and like fling them but of course like she's getting sand in her mouth as she does it and I'm like can you just like can you not stop being a black yeah. lab <laughs> like just like no <laughs> it's in my dna come like on this. yeah she well because then too like when i start yelling at her and like chasing after her to get her to stop doing something she's like this is she's amazing like, this is so much fun <laughs> i keep going okay <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. she's like you think this is great too cool <laughs> like let me run oh away god, from you so <laughs> oh my god my dogs like i can't anyway it's not um, just yours <laughs> just saying I love them to death though. It's like, because they're so dumb, it just makes it even better. Yeah. Versus the cats who are like planting things to make sure that dogs eat them. And they're like, oh, you <laughs> and cats are just like deceiving everybody. Yeah. Oh my God. Except for those cats who are like dogs. And then I'm like, what's wrong with yeah, you? Seriously. <sighs> anyway, leading into our diagnostics. Um, so obviously we're going to do a full workup, CBC, biochemistry, electrolytes. A lot of times our CBC and biochemistry are going to be within normal limits, but we can rule out or discover some underlying metabolic conditions that can dehydrate our patients. And then of course, on our electrolyte panel, we can note dehydration, hypokalemia, hypercalcemia. Um, we already talked about the T4 level in our feline patients radiographs are really helpful in these cases because we can look for signs of a foreign body. We can see pelvic fractures. We can see spinal abnormalities. We can see arthritis. We can see, we can evaluate the severity of the constipation that we're dealing with or obstipation. Um, You can see a lot of things with radiographs when it comes 
to our constipated patients. Sometimes too, even though it's sad for the patient, if they're like constipated, you can see like the mass that's mm. like partially obstructing yeah. the stool from coming out. You can't necessarily see strictures, but you can get an idea. Ugh, can um, you imagine if you did just see a stricture? That'd be awful. I'd be like, oh, that's bad enough that I could see on x-ray. Okay, great. Right? Yeah. And then of course we have our ultrasound. Our ultrasound is going to be more useful in evaluating like other causes of constipation that aren't necessarily like colon related. Yeah, because the problem with ultrasound is if, especially if you've got a patient with a lot of stool in their colon, that stool can actually obstruct a lot of other stuff. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, it can be a really useful tool, but it could also be like, well, yeah, there's a lot of poop up here. Um, I can't see anything until the poop yeah. is gone. Yep. But you can evaluate things like the prostate. You can evaluate the lymph nodes looking for that lymphadenopathy. Sometimes you can see bowel thickness or masses depending on where they are. But yeah, Yvonne's right. If it's, especially like the closer you get to the rectum, the less you mm-hmm. can see. So it, ultrasound is, it's okay. It's, it's it, again, it depends on what's happening, right? Yeah. Then of course we have our endoscopic procedures because colonoscopies are the best thing to do. Um, but you can obtain biopsies, especially if an intraluminal mass mm. is noted. Um, colonic biopsy is actually needed to diagnose. And I'm going to probably say this wrong, but angolionic megacolon, which is a congenital condition. I'm going to, I'm going to say a gangliotic a ganglion. I don't know. I've never heard of that word, but it's really cool. I learned that it's a congenital condition <laughs> and you need biopsies to diagnose nice. it, but it doesn't sound as fixable as anything else when it comes to these situations. It's so because I think of ganglia, which is neuro, mm, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a gang- maybe that's why I want to say a ganglionic. I mean, it is a congenital thing. So I bet you it is like a nerve malfunction. Cause when I was reading the little tiny bit that I read about it, it is a mechanical malfunction of it. Yeah. Which makes me think it's, it's nervous. So this, see, this is why it's important for us to know terminology <laughs> and how to break down words. <laughs> yeah. Well, good, and good the times. biopsy also can like, especially, um, for, uh, like GI lymphoma, right. Um, getting the biopsy because sometimes you'll see it in the um ileum versus the colon versus the upper intestine mm-hmm. so you know those those things are definitely um good as well and if there's a stricture you can see that with um endoscopy and sometimes you can balloon yeah. them but <sighs> yeah very, you can palpate yeah. them it's great so treatment, obviously treatment ideally is going to be aimed at the cause of the constipation, but just speaking for making our patients comfortable, mm. we're going to say, um, if impacted feces must be removed. Cause if not, it's just going to keep building up unless you somehow magically find a way to get a pet, pet to stop eating. Well, eventually they'll stop eating, but <laughs> that's not ideal. Right. 10 out of 10 do not recommend. Um, and that can be achieved by rectal suppositories, enemas, or manual extraction, especially if it's super severe obstipation. Obviously, that's when we're going to do manual abstraction. 
manual extraction. Manual extraction strongly recommend sedation for those patients. It's not comfortable. Yeah, I was and... gonna say like for my cat, because um, <laughs> she started getting very upset about her enemas. Um, we did Torb in hospital just because we were doing them so mm-hmm. frequently. Um, so just remember if you are doing frequent enemas, so like every two to four hours, depending on how bad it is, um, you know, give them some pain meds. That'll also help push things through. Uh, if you're doing manual extraction, like we anesthetize our patients for that. Yeah. That's what we like, do too. Ugh. Who wants to fight a patient like that? Like not to mention like you're sticking your fingers you're putting... up there to pulling, pulling the out. Like that requires anesthesia because otherwise they're just going to be like fighting you. They'll, the, the anesthesia, they can hurt yeah, themselves the can help like, relax oh. sphincters as well. So just, although it's kind of like a, it's kind of a bummer because anesthesia and pain medications can definitely slow down the GI tract, but at the same time it can relax mm-hmm. things enough, but it's uncomfortable. If you're, even if you're just doing enemas, if they're already impacted or like getting impacted, like you're putting more stuff up there and more fluid to try to break up that stool. Like it's going to be uncomfortable. That's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on a patient's colon. Like it's, it's not comfortable. Please be kind to your patients. Yeah. Um, IV fluid therapy, obviously if anorexia and dehydration is a cause for this constipation, but prevention is going to be key. Now, a lot of times this prevention is going to be long-term because whatever the cause, it definitely can happen again. Um, so adding fiber and moisture to the diet. So things like Metamucil and pumpkin, um, for patients with colonic mobility, motility, like normal ish colonic motility, fiber should be at least 7% dry matter for patients with no motility or reduced motility, like our mega colon patients. It's recommended that no more than 5% of dry matter crude fiber is in their diets, just because they don't have motility. If you're bulking up those stools enough and the bowel doesn't have that motility, that ability to move that through, you're bulking it up and you're just asking for it to back up. Um, You can do things like osmotic laxatives, like lactulose. Cisapride is great. Um, However, I think that has to be compounded only now because in human medicine, it was removed due to some side effects in human medicine. Mm. Um, But it's used to stimulate colonic propulsive motility. So it's used to move, get the colons, peristaltic waves to move more normally. And then of course, water, we definitely want that greater than 75% water within a diet. Um, so we recommend switching these patients to canned food if they're not already on canned food, and then even maybe adding in water to that canned food or chicken broth or, or some sort of other liquid sometimes can be needed. So definitely. What's going on. The other yeah. thing I just kind of wanted to note on this too, is when we talk lactulose, so we could do lactulose by mouth, um, but we can also do lactulose enemas sometimes, especially mm-hmm. if they're they're already backed up. One of the interesting things just to throw out there for everybody is um, just so keep an eye on their ionized calcium um, because lactulose, there, there are some studies that show lactulose can increase the amount of calcium absorbed and can actually make a patient's ionized calcium go up. Um, and the only reason I know this is because that's what happened to my cat. And of, of course, course it did. <laughs> and it, we were like, wait, is it the cancer that's causing it? Or is it the lactulose? And we stopped the lactulose and, and then her ionized calcium was normal. So 
of course oh, there's there's so many of courses with my cat right now and it's yeah but um I just know. know that if your patient is on lactulose and all of a sudden you're seeing an ionized calcium go up it could potentially be from the lactulose um so just kind of if you hear about that i can see if i can find yeah, that that's that's the first I've ever heard about that. That's yeah, great. that was the first time we ever heard about it either. So. Nice. <laughs> it and, one of, and it was totally funny because it was um, one of the other doctors. She was like, hey, I remember. And so she sent us the link to this article and I was like, well, let's try it. And then we stopped it. And within like, I don't know, a couple of days, like her ionized calcium was back to normal. And I was like, cool, great. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. So these treatment options, these preventative treatment options will definitely help our patients um, with like arthritis who have a hard time posturing, um, patients with masses, strictures, um, or any other cause that can cause some other reason to back up other than like megacolon. Surgery might also be needed to debulk or remove masses, neutering a patient if their prostate is large, causing a backup, or removing foreign bodies, or biopsying lymph nodes. Um, and then, of course, strictures can be stretched via ballooning with endoscopy. Um, however, unless it is like something like a foreign body removal, a lot of these preventative medications should be done long term because mm. the softer you make the stool, the easier it is going to be on the patient, no matter what the cause. Like, you don't want diarrhea but you want like a nice soft stool that's kind of easy to get out and easy for the bowels to move forward. Yeah. And for us, it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, you give it and then if it's diarrhea, you back off a little bit because yeah, you yep. don't want them to constantly have diarrhea, but you do want it to be a very soft stool. Um, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, client communication though, is usually deobstipation will need to be repeated or at least long-term enemas off and on, um, especially in our megacolon patients. A lot of those patients come back and need deobstipation, um, which is not uncommon. Yeah, and it's, and it's really important to remember too, to talk to clients because uh, there are clients that will do enemas at home if they notice like, oh, you know, they're doing a little bit of straining. It's not bad. But just remind them, do not, under any circumstances, use the fleet enemas that are available over the counter at the store because um, those are toxic to cats. Mm -hmm. um, so we usually talk to them about either, you know, just like warm water and, and lube, or you can use like a soap, not that that's ideal, but you can, um, or lactulose or something. But um, just making sure they're not using something that's going to be a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. so and generally with our like our mega colon cats like once their stool becomes like pretty dry and hard and it, it's hard to get out animals aren't really mm -hmm. going to work for that the the stool doesn't have the ability to like wake up that moisture like you think it would yeah, it definitely does so it doesn't that. really change consistency so you really like those are the patients that just need anesthesia and need to be deobstipated manually mm -hmm. because those animals aren't going to it's not going to change enough what it's going to do is just going to kind of skip to the back of the line and sit back at the yeah. back. Well, and I think it depends on like what the consistency of the stool is, right? Like if it is, if it is dry and hard, ooh, you know, sometimes that's, it's not enough to just do fluid. Cause it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't break it down. <laughs> um, mm -mm, it's too hard. It's like cement. Yeah. Like once cement is cement, it's, <laughs> it's there. You can't add water to it and make it liquid again. Um, 
So it's kind of a bummer. Surgery may be an option for some of these patients with those non-motility issues causing constipation. So again, those like debulking masses, removing foreign bodies. Um, however, it is not really an option for our megacolon cats um, or those mechanical issues. Well, I mean, it is. So it is, it is an option. Um, I've actually assisted with the surgery to remove a colon in a cat because um, it was megacolon. Like it, it was mm -hmm. insane how big this colon was. The problem with that is you're, you're going to have to tell the clients that patient no longer has a colon and the colon mm -hmm. <laughs> is what absorbs the fluids. So you're going to have a cat because it's usually a cat, right? Um, you're yeah. going to have a cat who has diarrhea, diarrhea for the rest of its life. Like there is no getting around that. Um, so it's, it's, it is an option, um, especially cause it, especially if you like have a congenital megacolon patient, mm -hmm. obviously if they're 17, 18 years old, I probably wouldn't do surgery, but if they're a young cat and they have megacolon and you've tried all this like medical management, it may be that it does need surgery. Um, but it's, it's not always a great option, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like fixing one problem with another yeah, problem. So, but it, you know, it, again, it depends, it depends on what the underlying thing is, but you know, if, if you're talking like something like GI lymphoma, well, no, <laughs> taking out the colon is not yeah. an option because you still have disease in the rest of the, the bowel. So it just really depends on what's going on. Um, and to see what the best option is for some of these kids. Yeah. Yeah. But as for like fixing a motility issue. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, long-term medication therapy is usually needed to at least keep that stool soft. Like we kind of already talked about and prevent straining, um, which prevents further constipation if we can keep that stool kind of soft. Um, however, again, not meaning like living with diarrhea, we, we cause diarrhea and then we just, we adjust the medications accordingly to just get that nice, good, soft consistency mm -hmm. of stool. Um, to be able to pass yeah. it. Cause that's the goal passing without vomiting and straining. Yeah. And then for clients too, there's several ways to increase moisture in a pet's diet. So adding ice cubes, mind you, I don't know many cats who like ice cubes. There's some out there. I'm sure. Um, Maybe if they're small but, enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, adding ice cubes, broth, like a low sodium broth. Um, a lot of vegetables have a lot of moisture in them. And then baby food obviously is good too, or just adding water to mm. diet in general is always a good option too. Um, especially if you have those dogs that have a tendency to get constipated. I know a lot of dogs like those like ice cube balls where you can put treats inside of them in the yeah, summer. Yeah, and the other thing too, like if you have a, um, we actually didn't really talk about it, but um, if you have a kidney patient, because some kidney patients, if they aren't well controlled and they're getting super dehydrated, will get constipated. So sometimes yeah. you have to increase their fluids. So sub Q fluids more frequently, because, you know, if your patient's dehydrated, one of the best places to get fluid is through the feces that is in the colon. So, you know, if you've got a kidney patient, um, it may just be that we need to increase the sub Q fluids to not to draw out all the fluid out of the, the feces that's going through mm -hmm. um, and draw it out of mm -hmm. the sub Q area mm -hmm. instead out of yeah. the body. So that's, that's another thing to kind of have a conversation with clients about um, is 
Cause we've, I've definitely seen that where I've got kidney patients and they're, they're constipated because their stool is getting dry because they're not getting enough fluids. So sometimes that's a balance too with them. Um, so that's a, another thing to kind of talk to them about. It's the tip of the week. So this week's tip of the week, um, because it's not a super common thing is, you know, if you are using lactulose, uh, you can check an ionized calcium and if it goes up, try discontinuing the lactulose and I will look for that link, um, so that it's in the, the show notes for you guys. Yeah. I like that tip of the week. Cause I didn't know that. <laughs> Yay. New things. <laughs> and now for the question of the week, have you ever had a deobstipation where you pulled out just something weird? Oh, <laughs> I never have. Well, that's not true. I have. We had a dog that I pulled a sock out of. Oh, yeah. Well, then mine is um, Coke Enema Dog. That was weird. Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. That's a good I one. I'm pretty sure it was a rib bone. Or no. <sighs> Maybe it was a vertebrae. I don't know. It was some kind of bone, beef bone, that it wasn't supposed to have. Um, and yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Cool. Well, uh, answer the question of the week. Uh, either on the Facebook page in our membership, or just if you want to email us, you can email us too. Um, we'll make sure to get some of those links in the show notes. Um, yeah. Anything, anything else that we want to talk about this week? I think that's it. Yay. I'm going to go deal with my cat with tenesmus. Yeah. There we go. That's another tip of the week. Know which medical term. Vocabulary. Yeah, know your vocabulary. So tenesmus versus constipation. So. All right. Yeah. Well, you guys have a wonderful week. All right, guys. We will let you go, and we will talk at you guys again next week. Have a good week, guys. Talk to Bye. you later. Keep getting your work on. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.